was hard in the beginning, but once it really wrapped around my head and I said, you know, I care about this person so much, but I, and I want them to be happy whether they're with me or not. If they're not with me, that's fine, but they're finding joy. And all I want to see is that my partner is finding joy. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Take five. (laughs) Welcome to episode 114. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with Kat. She has a powerful story and has overcome a lot of adversity and challenges throughout her journey, and we learned a lot from talking to her. Yeah, she was actually introduced to FetLife by her hairdresser, <laughs> yes. which not a lot of us can say. And yeah, she, as Emma said, she it hasn't been an easy journey for her, and, and it's a super powerful story. Uh, she is the partner or one of the partners of Norm and Rachel, who are episodes 80 and 106, respectively. And she talks a little bit about them, but I would say you don't you don't necessarily need to have listened to those to get a lot out of this. No. Uh, one thing to maybe just talk about briefly is she mentioned something called the Year of Grand Mistakes. And that was basically what Norm and Rachel dubbed their first, let's say, couple years of exploring non-monogamy and the things that they learned. So just so you're not missing out on any inside jokes. Yeah. <laughs> the other quick thing I wanted to mention is right before we did this interview, I was going through some very emotional stuff. And therefore, I was not in prime condition to do this interview. And Finn took over a lot, of, especially at the beginning. So thank you're saying you to I, him. You're saying I talked a lot? <laughs> he did, yes. And didn't let you talk very much? I was, I was not in the right mindset. So I apologize for that. But and it is what it is. The side effect of that is I made Kat cry. So that was super fun. (laughs) Something to look forward to. All right. On to awesome news and announcements that we have. Yeah. So we still have the My One Condom um, code going on. So if you you listened to episodes recently, you know that February was Measure a Penis Month. No, it was National Condom Month. Oh, February 1st was Measure a Penis Day. You're right. You can only do it on one day. But anyway, you can get 20% off using the code NNM podcast uh, for any of their condoms until March 15th. So go do that. We promise you won't regret it. And thank you for your support. Next up, we have our Patreon Q&A that we do every month. This is number nine or 10, something like that. Every, every month they get better and better. And last month the West Coast contingency was rolling. Yeah, we had an awesome conversation. So we'll probably On start both of them. Yeah, they were awesome, both of them. So this will be March twenty fifth. If you would like to join us for this video Q and A, you don't have to share your video. We do. A lot of people do, and it's just a really great way to build community if if you're looking for that. Yeah, and so, again, that'll be March 25th, uh, two of them, one at 9 p.m. Eastern and the other one at 9 p.m. Pacific. So check out our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, for links to learn more about that or in the show notes of your podcast player. And the last announcement is Catherine uh, reached out to us. She was on the show with her husband, episode 57, and also on our recent Focus Fridays, episode two. And uh, coming up on episode 10 of Focus Fridays. That's true. She's a relationship coach, and she has some new workshops coming up. And so we wanted to help promote her work. Um, The first one is going to be March 19th. It's going to be a a one-hour webinar on stories and assumptions that we all tell ourselves and each other around relationships that interfere with connections we're all seeking. And the second one is on March 28th. It's going to be an in-person event in Atlanta, Georgia. It will be her with a couple other coaches doing a workshop on nurturing the connection. With your partner. Well, with your partner or partners. Yeah, for sure. So check those out. There are links in the show notes so you can get more information on those. And and, to sign up. And to sign up as well. So thank you for supporting her. She's doing great work and we love to support it. 
You can find us at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You'll find show notes for every episode with links and a lot of photos for our guests. You'll also find contact information for us. Please reach out to us. A voicemail or email would be great. We yeah, love- we've been getting lots of voicemails lately. We love to hear from our listeners. And you'll also find a list of resources. So, and all of our Focus Friday episodes. Lots there. Yeah. All right. Have a great listen. We will see you in an hour. Yeah. Welcome, Kat, to the show. Thank you for taking some time out of your evening to chat with us. We're excited. We've been we've been setting this one up for a little while, and we've been hearing about it for a while because we've interviewed one of your partners and somebody else who's in your polycule. And so we mm-hmm. we've seen we've seen slivers, but we don't know much. So we're excited to talk to you in person. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Happy to fill in any little blanks that I can. Yeah. No well, problem. Well, I mean, for for us and for anybody listening, do you mind just like a high-level overview of who you are, and we can kind of dive into it a little deeper after that? Uh, okay. Um, my name is Kat, and I'm uh, 57 years old. I kind of innocently got a, a little bit of gist of the lifestyle through at 12 years old, finding the story of O in my dad's desk and read it and loved it. But then again, I was 12 years old. So I put it back in the desk and kind of forgot about it until years later, five years ago from today. So 2015 is when I really dove deep and started researching. I don't have a personal blood family Um, Through circumstances, my family doesn't have anything to do with me. So I had been alone for almost 25 years. So I was looking for a family. Wow. Mm -hmm. And what's the best way to find a family is pick your own. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how it happened. Right. I mean, sorry sorry to hear that, but it's sort of a Dan Savage, right? Sometimes your your logical family takes the place of your biological family, right? Right. And just like your biological family... Your logical family is going to pick some partners or some people that you're just not that close to, and that happens. But then, you know, you come together as a family and family functions and family celebrations, and that's what it's all about. It's support system and people that understand you for who you are and don't sit there and judge you for what you're not. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, yeah, it's amazing. And so... All right. So backing up, you, at 12 years old, you found the story of O, and then you you put it on the back burner for 40-some years, mm-hmm. and, then, I, and then dusted it I had a marriage that was a disaster. Let's put it that way. I was married 12 years, had two kids. Um, through circumstances, um, he had an alcohol problem, and then through our divorce, I had an addiction problem. I'm an addict, and I've been clean. This year will be 24 years. Well, well, congratulations. congratulations. Thank you. So through that, that's why I lost my biological family. Um, I got clean on my own. I did it hardcore, no rehab or anything. I just did it and finally just came out the other side of it. But I still wasn't, I still on my journey. Um, it took a good five years before I figured out that my mother was so mad at me about being who I was that she was not going to be anywhere near supportive or anything like that. So then I just started working. Life got in the way. I didn't have my kids in my life. I, I still don't, which is okay. I'm down with that right now. They're grown women and they make their own choices and they're doing really well from what I understand. So I just kind of got to a point where I had a lot of mental illness going on and I had mm-hmm. isolated for almost eight, eight years. That's wow. no contact except for going to the store and back, and that was about it. But I had it was my process of trying to come out the other side of it because I had dangerous and addictive people in my life. Yeah. And I had to just come to terms with who I was, accept all the responsibility for my choices, and just figure out how to move from there. So a friend of mine, he's my he's my hairdresser and very best friend, but he's the only one that stuck through thick and thin for over 30 years. And he said, you need to get out and do something here. Why don't you go on this site, FetLife, and check it out? And I said, (laughs) okay, I'll do that. And I looked on there and I was like, well, what are all these other things that they're talking about? What is polyamory? That is so 
interesting. Let me go look this up. So that's how it started is I just started doing my research. I love research. So I just went through, through and, your best friend that was your hairdresser. Through her hairdresser <laughs> my told hairdresser. her about that life. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like we need to talk to your hairdresser at some point. <laughs> <Sounds like he's... laughs> he is my, my gay hairdresser best friend who has never judged me ever once. He was the most wonderful. He's still the most wonderful. He still does my hair. Oh, that's so, amazing. Yeah. So he said, you need to go out and find a life. Go on here and find it. And I said, okay. And so, and so how did it go? I mean, that's that's a big step to take for somebody. For someone like me, it was a huge step, but that's how hungry I was for people. I had done the alone thing. Now I needed to find people that wouldn't judge me for my my different likes and dislikes and my wants and my needs. So, and being in, it took me a while to come to terms with certain likes that I do have in the fetish world because I had an abusive marriage and I had an abusive ex-boyfriend. So it took me a while for me to get to a place where I was okay with, with what I like as opposed to what was done to me. Right. So with that, that said, well, that's part of it, but you have this other side of you that wants companionship, that wants to have somebody that you can talk to, somebody that you can go ahead and do movies with. And I like drag racing, and I like motorcycles, and I like all these different eclectic things. But not one person is going to be able to fill those needs. I figured that out, right? I'm, yeah. I'm going to depend on one human being to fill every one of these needs. Well, geez, I think somebody would have found that a long time ago. So I said, well, how do I do that? And that's when I started researching polyamory. Right. Then I got on, when I was on FET, I had dated a couple of people. And one, the second one was, I'm not quite sure what he, what he was, but he wasn't, something wasn't right. And I was so new in this new lifestyle that I wasn't sure. I'm really good on my instincts, but I wasn't sure if I was overreacting or just questioning way too much. So that's when I started looking. I said, I need some answers on, is this right? So that's how I found PPC. And it was only okay. their second meeting. And that stands for? Um, practicing polyamory community. Okay. Cool. And that's the, and that's the community out in the Maryland DC area, right? Yes. That is Norman Rachel's group. Okay. They lead it. Okay. That's how I met them. Okay. okay. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that can, that can be really scary, right? Cause you're, you're waiting around in the waters of fat life with no background in this, no experience. And you're like, and nobody with know. me, nobody to right. talk to about it. I did it. I did it all by myself, but that's how, like I said, hungry I was, how lonely I was is that I just, I just needed people, but yeah. I needed people that I felt safe with. Yeah, and I mean it's it's amazing, right, that you were that you went and did that. But it, I mean, again, it's it is it's a tricky thing to navigate. Like you don't know necessarily the terminology. Is this mm -mm. right? Is this wrong? Is this safe? Is somebody leading me on? Is right? And you're well, you're making yeah. all of these decisions on your own, and that's that's kind of it's really good that you found that group. That's I was determined. I said I don't want to leave this lifestyle. From what I'm reading, it's it's meant for me, but something's not right. So that's when I went there and the group, I can't even remember what the topic was at this time. That was five years ago. So Rachel was, was heading it, never met either one of them, never met anybody in that entire room, didn't know one soul. And for me at that time was pretty amazing because my anxiety was like, I don't put myself out there in places where I don't know people. I at least have one safe person that is around. But that's what I, I just needed information. So we went through it. And I, I, I'm finally at the end, she asked if there's questions. And I said, well, I'm in this situation. And basically, this person has been keeping me from his other partner. And now we know that's a huge red flag. You don't do that. Yeah. Right. Either somebody doesn't know or they don't want you to know. Right. So they all pretty much said, you need to get out of this relationship. It's not a relationship. He's just using you. You need to stop. And I was like, well, already, if a whole room of people are telling me to stop, I think I will stop. And so at the end of the meeting, Norman had come up and chatted up a little bit and got to know him. And then Rachel and I chatted up a little bit. And, you know, I was like, well, I like these people. These seems like good people. 
So that, and that's how it all just started. Norman and I had dated for a little while, not too long, about six or seven months, I guess. And it didn't quite work out. But Rachel and I had made such a connection that we were like, I'm not letting you go. And she's like, I'm not breaking up with you. And I said, okay, let's not break up. So that's kind of how it happened. Right. <laughs> well, and, and so maybe, and we can keep diving back in to sort of like some of how this evolved, but maybe it would be good to understand what, like what the, your dynamic looks like today, like what relationships you, yeah, yeah. What, what your okay. relationships look like today, what the structure looks like. And then we can kind of go back and piece sure. together how we got there. What my personal polycule looks like. If I'm at the center of my personal polycule, I have um, an emotionally intimate partner. Okay. That means we are deeply connected. We have something beyond what is a sisterhood, something beyond just a friendship. It goes a lot deeper than that. But we are not physically intimate. Okay. So emotionally intimate, it means pretty much everything is on the table. We discuss all our deep issues and whatever's going on in our personal lives. Um, I have an, a physical and emotionally intimate other partner um, that is not in my polycule is not a poly person at all. They're in the lifestyle, but in a different way. Okay. So that's why I really won't be talking about that person too much, just because it's a very private yeah, type yeah. of yeah. relationship. But that's who I am. Now, Rachel has two partners. She has her husband and nesting partner as uh, Norman. And then she has her polyamory, intimate, emotionally intimate all around great guy, Jay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then Norman has his, um, his other partner, E. That's pretty much all of us. Yeah. Um, we have a, 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 a partner. She's in our polycule, but she's not a partner of anybody. She's just what we call family. She's okay. part of her family and that's Miss S. Cool. Okay. So you and Rachel are the two that are in an emotionally uh, intimate relationship. Right. Um, okay. that came about from, um, from just what was going on in our time of our lives. And we, I didn't want to let her go just because, um, Norman and I were no longer together. We were just, we were just meant to be in each other's lives. That's just yeah. the way I look at it. So that's how it's evolved over the last five years, five yeah. years. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I know, Time right? Flies, I'm just right? saying it. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of time <laughs> for me. That's a long time. Yeah, I yeah. don't do. I don't do. I'm a. I'm a demisexual. Do you know what that is? Yep. Okay. But please explain. Yeah, it but please your, explain it your for lines. yourself, right? Okay. Yeah. So what a demisexual is, and I did not even know this term until I got in the lifestyle. I was like, I've been this all my life. I didn't know there was a name. Okay. So a demisexual is somebody that is needs an emotional connection to somebody, a very strong emotional connection before they even think, enter their mind that they are going to get physically involved with another person. It doesn't have to be any type of person. We're more attracted to the emotional side and, and the, the mind side, the emotional heart and that kind of thing. As we are not so much a package, outside package, we're more of an inside package. People. Okay. Yeah, no, it's so it could take a year, it could take months, it could take a day. For me, it takes it takes almost a year, almost two before I would even think about getting physical with somebody. Right. So right. That's so why something. Go ahead. No, no. So something you've said a few times, which is the lifestyle, and I think a lot of times when people hear the lifestyle, they think more swinging versus polyamory. Have you? explored like the swinging lifestyle or do you use lifestyle in terms of like just an all-around non-monogamous okay with me being a demisexual swinging would never enter my mind to even i no. i'm just yeah no. it doesn't seem like a dynamic that would work for you <laughs> no you i am not judging i'm just saying it's just not my thing <laughs> <laughs> so that's fine but swinging to me personally is a whole different lifestyle okay so my, when I say lifestyle, I'm mainly saying non-monogamous and kink. Okay. Okay, perfect. Yeah, and so then maybe that leads sort of back to when you were exploring on FetLife. It sounded like you dated a little bit, mm -hmm. and then you kind of met Rachel and Norm, and they were like, set you on the path of maybe a better course 
and yes. maybe even, but I imagine you stayed on FetLife and did you continue to explore down that path as well? I stayed on FetLife more for seeing what everybody else is doing, a lot of the readings and writings, because I want to see other people's perspective. I want to see, am I the only one going through this? Or do, is, am I the only one feeling this way? Like, I didn't understand what compersion was. What is compersion? What am I supposed to do with this? Do I practice this? That's what I usually use it as a tool mm-hmm. and like fun entertainment per se. But that's, I don't do too much. I used to write a lot on there when I was that first year and so, because it was an easy way to let things out. But now that I have other people in my life, I have to consider what information I put out there. I don't write as much because like I've said to your husband is that I, mm-hmm. it's not my information. Right. Like a lot of the feelings and a lot of thoughts that I have involve other people and I'm not going to sit there and put other people out there. Yeah. That's just my, my boundary. I yeah, practice really good there. boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And being, um, being a demi, being a demisexual, you can't, computer dating doesn't work. You don't. You need to be in the presence of this person. You need to see how this person is acting. You need to see how they're feeling. How are they treating their other partners? How do they treat their family? That's It's more along the lines. And that's for how my demisexualism works and how, because of my background baggage and how all that works, is that computer dating is not going to work for me. It's right. just never going to happen. So. Right. So there how did go. it how did it evolve then over the last five years? Had have you had multiple different relationships, or has it largely been, you know, Rachel and Norm, and that was, and then your other partner? And, yeah, at the and your other partner. Um, well, no, I I dated for one gentleman for a while. I tried to figure out how it could work, but because of his personal things going on and his his issues. I didn't feel comfortable continuing it. I'm not somebody that likes to keep secrets. I'm not somebody that condones outside relationships of your marriage if your other partner doesn't know that it's happening. So that happened. And that's pretty much the only person I, I did. I'm very, as you can tell, I don't date per se. I don't just date around. I have relationships and it takes, like I said, a long time. Now, my other yeah. partner, um, they are, they've been in the lifestyle 27 years, I think. Mm-hmm. And I had known this person. <laughs> I knew this person when I was in high school and didn't know about any of this. That was really wow. weird. Yeah, yeah. So, but they took their time and it took, it took a couple of years, but they, I didn't even know it was happening when it was happening. It was one of those sneaky things, but he's that good at what he does because he's been in the lifestyle for as long as they have been. And it's been like one of those things that, oh, wow, this is kind of interesting. Okay. I'm going to go with this because I feel safe. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. I, I don't date around. I'm just not comfortable with it. It's not, and I was like that way back in high school. It was just one guy, and that was it. I wasn't doing all the, well, I'm going to go out with John tonight. I'm going to go out with uh, Matthew tomorrow night. And I'm going to go out with Orson the other night. And I'm like, mm, no, I'm just sticking with the one guy. Or I'll just, you know, go over here and read a book. That kind of right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been pretty open, I guess, in the last five years about exploring non-traditional, more non-traditional relationships with the people in your life. Now I know that you said you don't have biological family at the moment, but you know, just day to day meeting people or um, I'm not sure in your like profession or anything like that. Have you been fairly open? Um, yes, pretty much. If anybody asks, I have no problem. I have, um, I'm going to put a, I have a therapist mm-hmm. and I'm extremely open with her, but she had no idea about any of this. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm teaching her so many things, but yeah. it's nice to have somebody to talk to. There's nobody else. I have, I have a very small, I keep a very small circle just yeah. because of my background. So if there was anybody that was entertaining any thought that of dating me, 
or anybody that was I was interested in, I would be right up front. Um, I'm right up front with everything. Like, I think it was my second date with almost each person that I have ever dated since being here in this lifestyle. I tell them all my baggage, like from 25 years ago till this day. I mean, for me, it's like, I'm not going to waste your time and I'm not going to waste my time. If it's something that you can't handle or something you are not interested in, that's not a problem. I had a nice dinner. Appreciate that. But I'm going to go over here and you can go over there. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. Yeah, And I'm retired, so I don't have to deal with that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's good. I mean, I think that's a really good approach is that the be open and honest up front because there's really no there's there's no reason to lead people on right or to and it's not that you're doing it misleadingly just might as well put all the cards on the table and those who can stick around will stick around yeah Yeah. that's the way that's the way i feel about it i mean even before i got in this lifestyle if i happen to even entertain having a very close friendship i would say look i have this past um this is who i am i've been clean so many years and I just want to let you know, this is who I am. So if you can't handle that, yeah. then I have no problem with it. I'm not taking it personally. I'm just saying, I just want to give you this choice because I don't want to sit there and keep it secret. Because you never know, never know who's going to walk up into you and say, hey, I remember seeing you at such and such party. Hey, how you doing? And I'm sitting there with my best friend, Vanilla, that does knows nothing about it. And I'm like, right. so... For right. me, I'm just re- I'm just easier as an open book than to keep secrets. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, how have I mean? How have you seen polyamory impact your life in a positive way over the last five years since you started exploring it? Oh wow! And every possibility that there can be. Like, I'm gonna get crying <laughs> <laughs> because it's okay, I have a group of people that love me for me. They don't judge my past. They don't sit there and tell me what a horrible person I am. They don't sit there and say, you should have been this, or why didn't you do that? They just, just love me for who I am. And, you know, I've helped, you know, I like to, I like to have a family to take care of. I'm a caregiver pretty much. So, you know, when Norman and, and Rachel's son was in some sort of when he was in some turmoil a few years ago, I was there, like, in the middle of the night. I was there every every afternoon. If something needed to be done, I would take them to the doctor. I would pick up from school. I mean, that brings me joy, and I never had that. I never had a family. So it, it brings me so much joy to have people that I can say, hey, you know what? Somebody is telling me I love you at the end of the night. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. Especially, like, with what you said you went through early on and your years ago in your life too, that, you know, you've experienced that sort of rejection. Oh right? yeah. And, and to have the reverse happen must be such a wonderful feeling. It is, as you can tell, but yeah. it's, it's nice to know that somebody cares, you know, right. When you don't have at the end of the evening, you lay down and you say, well, if something happened, nobody would even know. Yeah. So polyamory has brought me so much joy that I never thought was possible. I have a a nice, I have a wonderful group of people that I would trade. I wouldn't even trade my biological family for. Can I say that? (laughs) (laughs) You can say nobody's, nobody's listened to this anyway. Yeah. I wouldn't trade them for anything in the world because no matter what, even though, some relationships didn't, you know, relationship didn't work out. They're still in my life. Norman's still in my life. I still care about him. He's a good man. You know, if he needs something, I'll be there. I know if I was in a car wreck or if I had a car trouble, I can call him and he'll come yeah. and help me out. Even um, Rachel's other partner, I know if I called them, I know they would come. Yeah, they've mo- each of us have moved each other at least once. 
Right. <laughs> so like, yes, you it's know, a sign of, it's a good sign of a wonderful relationship and friendship too. If, if people show up, <laughs> people want to move. move yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I found that out because when I didn't have anybody, yeah, that was kind of sad. <laughs> it's like, well, I wish I had somebody to help me pack this stuff up, but Rachel was been, was there and, and uh, Norman and Jay were, were there to help move certain stuff into this place. And it, it it's a good feeling. Then you look at your, your new place and you have these people that you know you can let in your house. Right. That's right. I mean, that's priceless for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Have you seen any, I mean, sort of like personal growth through your explorations of, of non-monogamy and sorry, we made you cry. (laughs) Oh, you didn't make me cry. I made myself cry because that's how polyamory has impacted my life. It's brought me, Probably yeah, the family amazing. I never had. So yeah. I'm yeah. grateful, no, it's, it's very amazing. grateful. Um, let's see. Personal growth. A lot of personal growth. Oh, Rachel would be so good at telling you all about that. <laughs> 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 because definitely I've had a lot of personal growth. I wor- I do what I call I do the work every single every single day of my life. And being having my background, you have to do the work every day. Because the consequences, you've already been through those. And if you don't do the work, you need to make sure that you understand. If you don't, you know what the consequences are. So every day, my personal growth is taking care of my mental health, taking care of my physical health, and trying my best to support whatever is going on with each person that I care about. I might not approve of it. It's not my business to approve or disapprove, but I need to support that because that's what they need. It's not about me. It's about about what they need. So my personal growth was come through that I didn't really have other people to do that for. So that made me do a lot of rethinking of how I want to readjust my life as in, um, well, you're not going to be alone for the rest of your life. How do you feel about that? You know, that was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I'm glad about that. And then today, I never had um, I never had people that I would call on and they would be there. That was surprising to me as well. Yeah. Um, so my personal growth would be with actually trusting other people. Because... I didn't have that for like 50, 45 years. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's huge. Right. Yeah. It's, it's and a big it takes deal. Time. Yeah. yeah. So when I, when I, if I, if like I, the longest time I, there weren't people that were even allowed in my house because I didn't trust that. Yeah. Um, it was very hard, but now come on over. Let's have some fun. Let's watch some TV. Can you come help me hang this? Whatever. <laughs> right. I, but it's just the small group of people that I want to go ahead and, and just keep growing with. Because yeah. everybody has, has grown a lot. I have seen over the last five years. Um, I didn't get to see all the year of grand mistakes. <laughs> and I'm very happy about that. Yeah, referring to uh, Norm's um, Norman quote, Rachel's yeah, yeah quote from their, his episode, their where infamous year of grand mistakes. Their first year was yeah. Really bad. I, I came in after all that, so I'm <laughs> I'm very happy about that. So I did my own year of grand whatever's going on. So right. I think we all do. <laughs> right, exactly. You can't avoid it, but that's where it, you come. Sometimes it's more than a year too. <laughs> Well, the thing is, is you take away something from that year because it'll help you prepare for the next one. Exactly. Right? If you don't learn, you're going to repeat the same process over and over again, expecting different results. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, maybe on the the flip side, then, are there things that, you know, it's obviously brought you tons of joy and you've, you've grown a lot out of it. Are there things that have been a struggle for you in, in navigating polyamory? Um... It was in the very beginning, it was learning about compersion, um, being happy for your partner when they are involved with, it could be a new person, it could be a person that they've had, but they found a new life with or a new growth with or a new love with. It's 
when your partner is finding joy and it's not with you, right? So that was hard in the beginning, but once it really wrapped around my head and I said, you know, I care about this person so much, but I, and I want them to be happy whether they're with me or not. If they're not with me, that's fine, but they're finding joy. And all I want to see is that my partner is finding joy. Took Mm -hmm. me a while because I had had a partner all to myself for a whole long year. And I was like, "Mm, now I got to share you. I don't really like, I don't think I like that at all. But it took me a good while before I could say, you know what, they're happy and she, she shares that happiness with me and I'm, that makes me happy. So that took me a while to get and to understand and then sit with for a while. And then I was like, yeah, I'm okay. It's okay. Because you have to have security in your own relationship before you can start feeling happiness for other people. When you don't have that security, you're always going to be upset, you're going to be anxious, you're going to pick a fight, you're going to say, well, why don't you want to do that with me? I mean, what's wrong with me? Why are you not doing that? I want to do that. Like We used to do that. Why are we doing that now? That's a hard part in this, in this life, in polyamory. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. If you're not set up and you don't do that work every day, then you're not going to, you're going to, what I call, you set yourself up for failure. I always want to set myself up for success every day. And I have to look at different ways to do that. Um, If I'm sitting here in my chair and I'm crying, well, it's me, I want to go out and I want to do something. Why are they doing it with me? No, nobody wants to go out with that person. Who wants to go out with that person, right? So I had to find joy in my own things that I like to do so I could find the joy that the other person was experiencing. So that's, uh, that's the one pitfall that I had a really hard time with. Yeah, I'm but not it to say like it won't happen again. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, and it, it sounds like it was an awesome growth opportunity, right? To really work on your own happiness and not rely on somebody else for that. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what monogamy does to you, right? When you go into this with a monogamous mind and you don't sit there and try and readjust it, then you're, yes, it's going to be miserable and it's going to be painful and it's not going to be bringing you happiness. You know, I mean, I, I go on the assumption that whoever I'm dating or whoever I might consider being in a relationship with, I really, really prefer that they have a partner first. I want them to have a partner. I don't want to be their one and only partner because for me personally, has way too much pressure and way too much responsibility. I, I don't do well with that. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I'm okay with being the second or the third as long as I don't, I don't practice jealousy. I do have an envious problem. I get envious. I don't want to replace her or him. I don't want. I don't want to be in their place. But I would like that for myself. Yeah. Right. So that was another thing: is trying to get over. I want you to be happy. Go over there. Have dates. Go out on fifty dates. Have fun. But you know what? I want to have my date this Saturday, and we're going to go out and do something fun. So plan that. Yeah. Right. That's all. Well, it's, it sounds like that you've slowly learned that about yourself. It, it, yeah. It's a process. It was very surprising, too. I was very yeah. shocked about that. But I had come to learn that about myself is that I'm not very good with a lot of pressure put on me. And I'm not very good with having to feel, fulfill other people's expectations of what should be. That's not my, re- that's not my responsibility. Yeah. That that needs to, you need to do that work. You know, right. this is what I can do. This is what I'm willing to do. This is what I want to do. But if there's something outside that realm, then I you need to f- figure out what that is and, and how you can get it for yourself. If that's dating or having another person in your life to fulfill those needs, I am happy. Go ahead and mm-hmm. do that. Find that person. As long as we're okay, I'm okay with that. If we're not okay... I want to discuss it. And that's my biggest thing is 
I don't let things simmer. I don't let things fester. I'm a right out there, unfortunately, like in your face kind of person. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's off-putting, but I have learned, we were just talking about this today, I have learned there are times that I need to keep my thoughts and to myself. There's a time and there's a place and you have to really understand if that person is really willing to receive that information that you want to talk about. If they are not willing to receive that, it's not going to go well for you. So that's another thing in polyamory. You have to really, you have to really practice a lot of is like, nobody really wants to hear your opinion because it's not going to, it's going to clash with their opinion and it's not going to go well for you. So you need to just keep that to yourself. Right. Well, and learning, learning when that is and how to navigate that can be tricky and and, and understanding the other person too, and trying to see it from their point of view. Well, the thing is, is what I've learned is there are some people that will always not be open to that. Like there are a lot of people we've been dis- there a lot of things there's a lot of discussion right now going on about closure. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that have to have closure. Like it's it's an angst for them. If they don't get closure, they get very upset and angry and anxious and they start riling and it's like but the other person in their mind, they've closed it. They have closure. If you don't have closure, then I mean I don't know how do you how do you navigate that? Um, there's you have to let it go. Like I know for a couple of relationships, I will never have that closure. And it took me a while, but I had to say, you know what? I gotta let that go. Yeah. If I don't let it go, then I'm not gonna be open to receiving some good in my life, some joy in my life. Right. So right. that's how that works. But with me, I don't try to. And I had to learn this over the last five years. I don't try to push my thoughts and opinions on people. If they ask me, yes, I will tell you because you asked me, but I will be happy to express my thoughts and opinions on what is going on. But I'm not going to volunteer that anymore. And it took me three years to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Moving forward, do you see anything changing in the way you approach this or your dynamic? Um, for me personally, I am good with my number. My number is two and I'm good with that. I don't see myself going out and dating and finding a a new partner at this time. I can't speak for the rest of the polycule. I mean, that's always ever changing. It never stays the same. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's always, it's, to me, it's fluid. So I, I expect it's going to change over the next, I hope to be in it for the rest of my life, but at least the next 10 years. Right. Right now, I'm very, I have to knock on what lucky and secure in my relationships. So I'm good with that. If I wasn't lucky and secure in my relationships, I probably would be looking around trying to think, well, this need isn't being met. Am I going to go out? Let me go out and see if I can find that. Yeah. But right. I'm lucky right now. I'm happy with what I have. Yeah. I, w- I was curious if if you'd be willing to talk a little more about the pl- sort of the I guess you've called it platonic life partner or you know it's deeper than mm-hmm. a friendship and sort of the relationship you have with Rachel and I think just because there's maybe people listening who would hear what you described and just say well it's you know that's just a, f- a good friendship like how is how is that different and I mean do you mind talking about it like from your perspective like what what really makes that relationship different from a friendship or from a, a good friend or a somewhere in that range and takes mm-hmm. it to the level of like a platonic partner? Um, I guess you could think of possibly, I don't know how close to, if you can kind of look at it for like an asexual relationship. Okay. Okay. But more of an emotional attachment, meaning I have met her parents. In fact, we're getting ready to go visit her parents next month. (laughs) And I have had dinners with other people in her life. I've had, she's, 
I've had to drag her to my mother's so I can use her as a safety buffer. So, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where you, you have a girlfriend and BFF, but you really don't involve all these other aspects of your life with your, with your BFF. You know, you have your BFF, you have girls night, you go to a game, you go to a concert, go to the gym, whatever, but you're not involved with all the other intricacies of the, of the dynamic. I've gone and picked up her daughter from school and brought her home, took her to driving lessons. Um, I was with her to take, um, take her son to, uh, a hospital when he needed to go in the middle of the night. I've been there to, she's been there for me when I've had, I couldn't even get out of the house. I mean, I've been, my anxiety works in a way I won't get out of the house for almost well, eight years, but since she's known me, I've been in, the, I had a period of time where I was in there for almost seven months. Yeah. But she would come over. She would make sure I ate because I wouldn't eat. I would make me some tea, clean some dishes, make the bed, whatever. You know, when you have a BFF or just a girlfriend, they've got a job. They've got a kid. They've got a life. She's got kids. She's got a job. She's got a husband. She's got two other partners. But she knew I needed help, and I'm her partner, so she's going to say, hey, why am I treating this person any other than I would my other two intimate partners, physically intimate partners? Why? That's where the struggle was when when we were saying, we are partners. You don't understand. We're partners. And they would say, well, you're not having sex. I said, why does sex have anything to do with me and her being a partner? Right. What right. difference does that make? I'm doing just, more than your sexual partner sometimes. Right. And the I'm assuming like at the beginning of your relationship, that's just something you guys talked about and decided that that wasn't w- the direction you wanted re- your relationship to go yeah. as far as sexual. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. With the issues with I, me having with um, anxiety and I have um, performance anxiety. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's with being a demisexual and having all these other issues, it's very hard for me to get intimate with somebody. And then once, if the intimacy goes away, then it pretty much, I don't have that relationship anymore. Yeah. And it was pretty much, Hey, I don't even want to take this chance. We both said, well, pretty much Rachel said it. And I went, I was like, you know what? I agree with that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm fine with that. I would rather have just this type of partnership than, than involve all the others. So right, right. Because if the if the sexual piece went south, you didn't want to risk losing the the rest of the connection over that kind no. of. No, it wasn't worth it to me. Yeah, nothing. It was sounds worth like it wasn't worth it for her either. No, it wasn't. And I and we've been very okay. It was just getting getting other people on board our particular train because it hadn't really been something that anybody had been introduced to before. Right in our small little sector. So I kept saying, you know, I'm doing this and doing that. Why is, why are why am I not a partner? Why am I, I mean, I had to fight almost a year for that. I had to, I had to bring Rachel around to it because she wasn't seeing it. She didn't understand. But when I finally laid it out and I said, what, why can't I be called a partner when I'm doing just enough? I'm doing almost Everything any other partner is, the only thing I'm not doing is we're not going and having intimate sex together. So right. why is that why is that a de factor in how you define any kind of partnership? Yeah. So I hear of people that go out and they're just, you know, play buddies. They go out, they have a date, they have a night, they go go to somebody's house, they have fun, they go home and go back to their lives, but they call them a partner. Right. So I don't, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense in my personal head to where, you know, why am I excluded? Because I'm not intimate. That makes, to me, I'm more intimate with the emotional connection than I am with anybody else. Right. And just because you're not intimately physical doesn't mean that you're not a partner. Yeah. That's what I kept fighting for. Because I right. just didn't, it didn't work in my head. Why am I having to, and I just got to a point of why am I fighting for this? I shouldn't have to. And it took a while, but it finally dawned on on most people that, you know what? Yeah, you can call yourself blue, red, and green partners. We don't care. If, 
It's how you feel about each other yeah. that matters. Yeah, but and, that's what I was going to say. It's it's really like you can call yourself whatever you want. And it, yeah, at the end of the day, it doesn't change it, right? It's you are what you are to each other. And I think that's the really important piece. But if I think you should be able to call yourself whatever you want, right? Exactly. I mean, who am I to... Who am I to sit there and tell you who you are or not? That's that's not for me to say. Just like it's not for me to judge your choices. Those are your choices. doesn't mean I have to be a part of it. But if you're asking me to say, you know, I'm going to call you blue, green, and red, I, all right, not a problem. I wouldn't call you blue, green, and red in my opinion, but that's not on me. That's what you would like. So if I'm sitting there and both of us are sitting here saying we would like to be called partners, please recognize us as partners. And you're saying, no, I won't because of blah, blah. Well, okay, that's fine. But I'm going to say, if you are in my presence, you will be calling me. Um, we call each other life partners. So I'm introduced by Norman as uh, her life partner. Um, so they all know we are partners per se, and that's not going to change. So yeah, right. That's how it yeah. works. That's awesome. No, it's an amazing dynamic, and it's it's awesome that you two have worked that out for you, and and that's what works best. So yeah, and it's nice that the other partners have gotten on board, and you know they're all about it, and they're fine. You know, I'm I'm happy that it worked out as well as it did. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, are there any anything else that you would like to talk about that we didn't that we didn't ask about that you were hoping to share tonight that that we'd like to give you the opportunity to do so? I don't think so. I pretty much covered a half century of life there. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm pretty good. Like I said, if you have if you would need to come back and ask any more questions or have any more questions of what I've already talked about, it's mm -hmm. not a problem. No problem mm -hmm. with that. I don't have any questions per se. It's for me to put information out there that people might not have heard about or thought of or even yeah. considered, and, you know, like I said, I being having different dynamics it's for it's for me to say hey you know what you're not alone you got you got other people out there that you know might see the same things or might not see the same things you do but this is wor working for me and this works for us right yeah, so, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful yeah i had one last question um i know you mentioned fet life and the groups out in the dc maryland area i you don't do online dating so i'm assuming you're probably not too involved with fet life unless you're um but i wanted to ask are you involved in the maryland dc community as far as like going to meetups and um i know norman and rachel do a lot of top like a lot of groups so i'm assuming you're pretty involved in those and if that been we a good has that been a great resource for you? Well, um, I hadn't gone to a lot until just recently because it was two years of being in a re uh, two relationships that I wanted to solidify. I'm kind of a, I need to concentrate on this or I need to concentrate on this or just this. I can't do five things at one time. Mm -hmm. So I have a good relationship with my partners and I'm, we just went to a, a karaoke munch out in, Virginia? Yeah. Cool. I don't know. Yeah. And there's a couple of other karaoke. She loves karaoke. I don't sing. <laughs> Horrible. But she's a wonderful singer. So I like to go just because, first of all, it makes her happy. And I want to see her happy. And I want to see her sing because I love her voice. And then I want to see everybody else sing too because um, everybody else likes to go and, and hear everything. I enjoy the socialism, so, so socializing. I like seeing a group of people I might not know, like the one in Springfield, we didn't, I didn't know anybody. She knew a few people, but I didn't know anybody. It was nice to meet a whole different type of group of people. Um, there's a few munches we go to around here that, you know, just catching up with people or just seeing, you know, if there's newbies, if there's newbies that come in, um, they don't have a lot of resources for women. Um, a lot of the women are, don't know who to talk to. So Rachel pr likes to go out and, you know, just, you know, see what's going on, see if anybody needs any direction and, and tries to help out. And I'm right there with her. Um, we just started a few things. Um, Rachel and Norman go to um, 
a group, a discussion group in DC together on date night. There's a, there's a few more, but I don't do too many just because it gets to be overwhelming for me. Yeah. New people, I can do it in little tiny spaces, you know, like little, I can do one here this month and maybe skip a month and do one the m- month yeah. after that, that kind of thing. But with, um, with all, there's different ones. There's music munches. Rachel heads up a music munch where they come, they t- bring their instruments and play. And, you know, everybody's got a different thing that they like to do. I just, I pretty much like to just tag along and see what's up. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's, I mean, it makes sense because, um, too, based on what you described of some of your anxiety and, Yet you don't let that completely stop you, at least not anymore. It sounds like it did stop you for a while from getting out there and being social, but you're, you've moved past that and you, um, have jumped over that hurdle, which I think is amazing because I know there's other people out there dealing, you know, and navigating the type of anxiety that you deal with. And so it's encouraging to know that, you know, it's, it's not, well, it's difficult, of course, and challenging to deal with. Um, you've looked and learned ways, um, to navigate and to become more involved in a community. Yeah. I've, I've learned that, um, I, I know my boundaries. I stick with them. I don't move them. I don't compromise on them at all. And then I also make sure that I, I usually, I go with somebody. I do not go by myself. I can't, I literally cannot. And there are places I can't drive because it's, it's anxiety feeling. I just can't drive certain places. Um, so if there's something I want to go to, I will ask, you know, uh, I always ask Rachel first, but now I'm kind of branching out and seeing if somebody else is like, you know, you know, that I already know would be interested in going. Um, I have decided that there are things that I cannot do and that's okay. You know, I'm going to miss out on that, but I can do something else that I can do. And yeah. that's even better. There were things, well, I can't do that. I would talk myself out of everything, like everything. And that's where you get into your isolation to where you're just afraid of life. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, you have to find, just find one thing that makes you happy and just follow that. Just doesn't matter what it is. Go to the library. You don't have to interact with people. You don't have to talk to anybody. But when I used to go to the library just to be in a space where there were people, but I didn't have to interact with them. And that right. helped me a lot. You know, doing those small little baby steps is where I started to feel like I can do this. And I had to let go of the things I absolutely just cannot do. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's okay. You know, yeah. I'm not missing out on life anymore. I'm just finding a new way to navigate it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's so. amazing. It's yeah. awesome. Well, Thank you. For, I mean, thank you for that and for sharing everything you've shared. I think it's a it's a super powerful story, and we're really happy that you were willing to come on and share it with us. So thank you for that. And you're welcome. And, I was happy to be able to do it too because usually I would not do this kind of thing, but I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. Everybody else totally did can. it. You can do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's awesome, and we're we're honored that you were willing to share with us and that you trusted us uh, trusted us enough to do it. So. Again, thank you. And sure. Yeah, and, not uh, a problem. Yeah. Well, and maybe with that, we'll let you get along with your evening and have a wonderful night. Well, you guys have a wonderful night too. Thank you All so right. much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. All right. Let's do it in one take. <laughs> and we're back. Thank you, Kat, for reaching out and coming on the show. We know that your story had some vulnerable parts, and we're really thankful that you were willing and wanting to come on and share it. And sorry I made you cry. (laughs) (laughs) And I also just wanted to point out that if you haven't gone back and listened to Norm's and Rachel's episodes, you definitely should, because they're fantastic people that have really great stories as well. Yeah, when I said at the beginning, you don't have to have listened to them, that wasn't saying you shouldn't listen to them. Exactly. You definitely should go forth. And do that. Yeah. So 
We want to mention just a few quick things at the end here before we wrap up. The first is STD check. If you dot com. Dot com, you can use the links on our resources page to get $10 off your panel. And it's a great way to get tested online. It's really easy. You go into your local Quest or LabCorp, you know, give them your samples and you'll of hear back. And pee. Yes. And you'll hear back within 24 to 40 hours. It's really fast and easy. So we, we love it and we highly encourage you to check it out. And in full disclosure, using the links does support us and we greatly appreciate it. You also get to save $10 off. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for supporting the show and supporting health and safety and testing in the non-monogamous community. Yeah. So what's on Friday? What's on Friday, Emma? We have our next Focus Fridays episode on Friday. This is going to be a continuation of the topic shame. Last Friday, we talked with AJ about shame. And this Friday, we talk with Jack and Jill, who were on episode 97 about their journey through shame or dealing with shame, actually. Yeah, they were former Mennonites and now swingers, which is a great transition to make. (laughs) (laughs) So come back and listen on Friday for that amazing episode. And then next week, we have our normal interview on Wednesday with Rapunzel and Colin. And Rapunzel was on episode 55, so she comes back with her partner. Yes, and it's awesome conversation, and we're excited to bring that to you and see you in a couple of days. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone.